evil is not born. I think that's how the show begins, right? Oh, how does the movie begin, though? The world is changing. I can feel it Fire. in my bones. Uh. <laughs> yeah. That's Avatar. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, so many iconic beginnings, and you would think yeah. the Lord of the Rings would fall under that, but it doesn't. Yeah. Hey. Uh, is that how Harry Potter begins? With Harry? Uh, no, Harry Potter doesn't really have like an iconic opening other than in the book. Like in the movies, they don't have anything. So just the music. Yeah, I'm about to say, he's like, I don't remember that. Harry It's just Potter. Hey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the boy who lived. There you go. That's iconic. The movie adaptations of A Tale of Two Cities open with that line of like, it was the best of times and the worst of times. I mean, I if it was a good movie adaptation, it should have. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. The reason I, like most movies that are Moby Dick begin with call me call ishmael. me ishmael yeah right so but i don't the lord of the rings as far as i know doesn't have like one of those like memorable first lines in a book uh does the hobbit i read the hobbit but i don't remember like the first line of the book and stuff that was ages ago at this point but anyway uh here we are already complaining <laughs> <laughs> about the lord of the ring franchise and uh recovering Amazon's new series, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Yeah. I'm Rolando. And I'm Nicole. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast. About unoriginality. One ring to rule them all. I uh, guess that's how we could have started the episode, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it said, One podcast to rule them all. Yeah. yeah only about hours, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I kind of want to get me one of these rings because, you know, after watching many, many, many hours of this content, it's like, damn, I kind of want that ring now. Oh, it's so interesting you called it content because I was just watching a video that was breaking down content versus film mm. and uh, i'll put the link on on our on our show notes but uh i don't think i wouldn't qu- i wouldn't count this franchise necessarily, especially the lord of rings films as content right i don't think they were intended for just passive viewing uh, i think you have to like really sit down and pay attention right uh content yeah. i would argue is like something that uh Pinocchio last week, I might argue, could be considered content. Yeah. Well, in in this case, I was referring to it as content just because I was combining the original trilogy uh, and and this new Rings of Power television show into one, you know. So it was easier to say film and television as content. But I Mm -hmm. I actually think that's a really interesting... First of all, I didn't even know that this article existed and trying to, like, you know, be like, hey, there's actually a huge difference and let's kind of break it down. Mm-hmm. oh yeah no really it's it's a fascinating watch yeah um and i don't know maybe content could be applied to the movies as well i don't know maybe and it's not necessarily a bad thing but maybe. i will the author of this video would argue <laughs> yes, yes. Would oh okay then so. yes i should probably either watch the video or read the article but uh <laughs> right right right, right. <laughs> eddie eddie z is here what's up eddie hello guys so after uh, being so rudely accused that we don't introduce them enough. <laughs> yeah, have rude. You, 
Um, so I have a question for everybody. Anybody ever read these books? Uh, Lord of the Rings, read, The Hobbit, any of them? I, yeah, I've read The Hobbit. I never read Lord of the Rings. Okay, Eddie? So I own them. Okay. But no, I've not <laughs> read them. It's always with the best intentions of it um, to read them. But then I'm like, uh, really I can't long. get into them. Yeah, They're really yeah. long and stuff like that. And um, I, But I love the story from mm. the movies. And I actually had as a little kid... Um, it was like it was the old animated uh, Lord of the Rings. Yes. Movie. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I used to pop that in like all the time. And I always felt like this was so different from a cartoon, like a regular cartoon, because it was super serious, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, but I'm actually a very big fan of the movies. I'm the, one of the those Peter Jackson movies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of those crazies that's seen it more than once. There you go. Yeah. Not a lot of people have. I mean, people. No, Rolando. Rolando has a judgment on people. That I do, actually. Oh, uh, Rolando has a judgment. I'm shocked. <laughs> uh, I actually because I, I did the math like in my head. It's just like if you watched like we have a mutual friend, all three of us who have seen this movie, I think yearly. And it's just like, God, like, let's say you've been watching it once this trilogy once a year. Uh, for let's say conservatively nine years, right? So nine times nine is eighty-one hours. You can't think of it that <laughs> way. I think of you it that think way. Of it away because you would sit down and watch so much basura reality TV shows content yes. for hours and hours. But and I would hours. never. Not, I would never watch and eighty-one you always, hours. Of- and you see like com- comedy friends episodes over and over again. 30 Rock episodes over and over again. Yeah, but usually when I'm Seinfeld. doing usually if I'm like, let's say I'm getting ready for work or something, it's like background noise or folding clothes, right? Mm. I'm not sitting there and watching a movie, like a, a friend, a, through, a trilogy, like through, you know, every year. Mm. That's like all together over, what, 10 hours probably? Yeah, it's about nine and a half hours, actually. Nine and a half um, hours. We talk about the, what, the extended version? God, no. Oh yeah, there are extended versions. The extended there? versions, which I've seen, so have I. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, I've done this. I've done this for a couple of times where I've just we like sat down. We broke like for a weekend. We broken up the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we made it into kind of like a big party thing. Yeah. Like, but like we're super serious. Like we're quiet as we're watching the movies. And sometimes we'll take a break and then we'll discuss <laughs> like something we caught for <laughs> some, you know something like we've we spotted like that we hadn't noticed before and because it's so epic it's so grander that the scenery the yeah the as we'll i will speak more about but all the themes that run through this story yeah um yeah you guys are setting this up perfectly and i love where we're going and i hate to to take us back to this but uh really quick i have not read the books either um and i kind of just want to throw it out there guys if you're a hardcore token fan or if you've read the books and you are anticipating us to speak about it we are sorry but we are not going to do that because we have not read it and we're really here to talk about the media properties excuse you i read the hobbit this is true but we're not talking about the hobbit thank god because i haven't seen the movies oh yeah i've heard i've heard mixed things about that for sure Um, i've heard less than mixed things but you know what it is hang on and before we i know this is real quick my biggest beef with the Hobbit movies is that they turned it into a trilogy, and it felt like such a money grab yeah, because it's just like, yeah. at most, you could probably split the Hobbit into two movies. Fine, right? But three, 
excessive, unnecessary. They, they just wanted to duplicate the success of the Lord of the Rings, and and part of my thing is, can this ever really be duplicated? I don't, I don't know. Can the Hob- I mean, the Hobbit arguably did not do it. Will the Rings of Power be able to duplicate this? Have we moved so far past that with at least CGI and what we've seen and our deep delving into the science fiction and and fantasy genres? You know, like, can we really ever duplicate the epic? success <laughs> that was when the Lord of the Rings trilogy came out in the early 2000s. Well, what, what, what's the measure of success with that question? Okay, so that's a good question, too, that you ask, because I remember when these movies came out, and I really feel like after this, everything changed. Uh, the movies that were being made, especially if you think about movies of the 90s, to everything that came after this trilogy, this is when fantasy and especially kind of like adaptations of literary works, whether it be graphic novels or whether it be, you know, big epics or whatever kind of became the dominating culture, especially Mm -hmm. like, I know superhero movies became its own thing, but the very next year after the first Lord of the Rings movie came out, Spider-Man came out. And I think with Lord of the Rings and the first Spider-Man movie, like everything changed in the 21st century of movie going and other uh, franchises and stuff came out. And this is where geek culture became cool, right? This is when the shift begins to happen and mm-hmm. i think that's when we're cosplaying becomes part of our everyday you know like a uh, slang words we start knowing what that is and, and people really start to embrace this and it's becoming a cool socially acceptable thing where in the 90s these were the kids that you made fun of this mm-hmm. was like you know the comic book guy on the simpsons you know that like had no life right um so i that's why i think like in in terms of maybe it was a zeitgeist thing but it really was pop culturally like a significant shift uh, and I think that these films in particular had a huge uh, part of that, especially because they were so acclaimed. I mean, the, the Lord of the Rings and Return of the King won the Oscar for Best Picture when it came out. You know, and every year it was nominated for Best Picture. What was it up against? I'm just curious. Uh, the v- Return of the King? Yeah. Okay, off the top of my head, Mystic River. Okay. Um, I've never seen it. <laughs> the, the, the Clint Eastwood movie. Uh... Wait, I thought that was a Julia Roberts movie. No, that's Mystic Pizza. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, that's great. Um, okay, maybe I can't do this off the top of my head, so I have to look at it. Sea Biscuit. Okay, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't deserve the win. Master and Commander, uh, the Russell Crowe movie. And I didn't like that movie. I hate yeah, it. no, I thought it was nominated? boring. I thought it was boring. Yeah. And Lost in Translation, which I would argue is a very, very good film and was a big contender for Best Picture. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. That one, that one, that would that was too windy to win. That was like a it very, was too very. Windy. Yeah. There's no way that would would have won. Yeah, but that's what it was against. But it was also like everyone was like, "Wow, these three films were such an achievement. We have to give it to them." And I don't know. That's it's like a weak year for the Oscars, in my opinion. There. Yeah, 2003 was. I mean, well, Kill so. Bill Volume One came out in that movie in that year, but they didn't nominate that, and that to me is like the big movie. Yeah, I would um, agree. and Finding Nemo, but I think that's a shame that, that Finding because I mean, film? no, I, they probably didn't have the animated film category yet. No, they invented it in 2001, so they did. Oh, so and they wait, did it come out? In, if it came out 2001, that means it would have been nominated for 2002. Uh, no, no, no. I'm saying that they nominate the, the, the category came out in 2001, but Finding Nemo itself came out in 2003, and I oh, do okay. believe yeah, yeah. that it it didn't did it win? 
Best, it did win there's, Best Animated Feature. I was going to say, did. there's no yeah. way that Finding Nemo did not win. It did, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's crazy because also when you look at the year 2001, the, the year The Fellowship of the Ring came out, that also, like, I think really speaks to my my theory of kind of like, um, you know, big franchises and fantasy-like franchises dominating popular culture for the 21st century. Number one was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And number two was The Fellowship of the Ring. So two huge fantasy franchises do- both debuted mm. in this year. Uh, in third place, Monsters, Inc. came out in so that year. So that was third place. Four, Shrek, another animated film. That's uh, also pretty high fantasy. High fantasy for sure. Oh, not high fantasy, just fantasy. Lord uh, of the Rings is well, high Well, kind of like combining but... every fantasy world lives in one world kind of a thing. So. Oh, yeah. But high fantasy usually means like, you know, really deep into the lore of like Lord of the Got Rings it. is high fantasy. Got it. Got it. As a genre. And number five was Ocean's Eleven. Now, all of these films have something in common. All of these films are the first film in franchises. Ocean's has the trilogy. Mm, it even yeah. has Ocean's Eight. Shrek has made many films. It's become a huge franchise with a musical and everything. And Monsters, you know, has a sequel and, and a TV show on Disney Plus that we covered and whatnot. And even The Fast and the Furious, which is a huge franchise, also debuted in this year. Wow. So this is like the... We could pinpoint the year that like our podcast kind of started <laughs> yeah the seeds for our <laughs> podcast were planted in 2001 guys and i remember that year of movie going uh i remember actually the movie that i saw multiple times that year was lara croft tomb raider which we spoke about oh, why yes, yes, on yes. the other episode uh in 2002 the very next year when the two towers came out that was the highest grossing film followed by harry potter and the chamber of secrets three spider-man four star wars attack of the clones Mm-hmm. And five men in black. These are all either fantasy or science fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, also there's known as no blockbuster more, films. Yeah. No. Where's uh? I mean, well, Men in Black. Yeah, but like you know, where's like the big star-driven vehicle movie? They're not really there. I don't know. Men in Black and Will Smith. Yeah. Aside from oh, aside that, from that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like the big one would be Minority Report, and that was all the way at number ten. No. Oh, okay. All right. And then uh, lastly, in 2003, Return of the King was number one, Finding Nemo two, The Matrix Reloaded, number three, Pirates of the Caribbean, number four, another big fantasy franchise. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, five, surprisingly, actually, Bruce Almighty, which is actually also really cute. I remember seeing that movie. Um, So it's just like I think the impact of the films were, were pretty were pretty huge, which is why it's not surprising that a mere seven years later, they were like, come out with the trilogy of The Hobbit because we need it. And Wait, did the Hobbit come it. out really seven years later? I believe the first one came out in 2010. Wow. It yeah. felt so much more spaced apart. I know, oddly enough. Yeah. But um, I saw the, f- the Two Towers and The Return of the King in theaters. I think I saw The Fellowship mm-hmm. in DVD. I didn't get that uh, movie experience. Uh, I, yeah, but. I saw all three in theaters. I'm pretty sure I saw Return of the King and uh, definitely the last one, opening night. Like at oh, midnight yeah? with my father. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I didn't and do stuff. that. I remember seeing it with like my sister and her friend, but I remember <clears> falling asleep like towards the end, like it's just cause so you're like the fake outs for how many endings this I film was had. squirming in my seat. I was like, This movie needs to fucking end soon. Because it was also three hours and twenty minutes. It's like why? Yeah. Why? Um what's your favorite? Two towers. Really? Two Towers is my favorite one. Yeah. I think Two Towers has the better the 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 fight uh, at the 
Was it the towers? The fight of the towers or I... the battle for Gondor? What Eddie? Do you remember what it, what fight it is? Gondor or Rohan? No, oh. is it Rohan the the third? No, I, I think, they spent a lot oh, of time in Rohan in the second one. Rohan, that's like oh, so, the, okay, so the guy Rohan. that was yeah. under the spell of Brad Dourif. Yeah, yeah. Because, oh, okay, fine. Yeah. So the, that whatever the one the big battle sequence in the two towers is my favorite. Uh, I think my favorite one. I think it's like a nice. It's first of all, it's beautifully shot, right? As rain. I think we talked about it before. Where, like mm. rain just makes everything look sexier. Okay. <laughs> in film, uh, but I think overall it's like my most. That's the one I I will rewatch because I think it falls into more so like the more actiony tropes. I see. Okay. That's okay. So the two the the Return of the King is too fucking is just too much ending for me that I, I can't. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, and the Fellowship of the Fellowship of the Ring would be the next one that so it'd be in my order, it would be the two towers, Fellowship of the Ring, and then Return of the King. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So and the reason I like Fellowship of the Ring though is because it's the origins, it's like the beginnings. We see like all these friendships begin and kind of split apart. And uh Yeah, yeah I remember what it's like <laughs> I was surprised when I saw fellowship of the ring because it kind of ended almost like on a cliffhanger right yeah. mm-hmm. which i should have known like we knew is a trilogy that's going to be uh we knew it was a trilogy that was going to be coming out uh so it was kind of just like uh what a surprise that like oh my god they all split up wait what's gonna happen next yeah it was like yeah. a tv show and movies didn't really end like that then um i mean not that i remember yeah i and and now it's so common um at least like it, it feels so much like a. It could have easily been a miniseries nowadays. Um, yeah. But uh, Eddie, do you have a favorite? Uh re- oh, Return of the King. Oh wow. Just Return of the King. So yours is Return of the King. Yeah. Why? Uh no, I just love like it's the all the elements, all the all the three stories that are going on unite, and it's just you know the great battle. It's yeah. when everyone recognizes. Um, it's the point where everyone has recognized who they truly are and what value they bring to, to the brotherhood, to the fellowship. And then they just, they're just like, they take up the mantle of courage mm. and fight Aww. against all odds, you know? So that's just like, you know, the, just the ending, just how, how beautiful it is. Um, and, well, and just FYI that we are, this is actually um, token week. Oh, is it? What yes. does that mean? Oh. And, uh, <laughs> Because September twenty second is Hobbit Day. <gasps> when that's, this uh, episode actually, comes out. Yeah, so that's the actual birthday of of Frodo and Bilbo. Oh, how nice! Happy and birthday, also my Frodo friend Celso too. I just want to do a shout out to Celso, whose his birthday is September twenty second, and Aww. he always says he always connects it to Bilbo and Frodo. Aww. So it's a uh, Hobbit Day. Uh, this Thursday. Today. Oh, yeah, when maybe. This, uh, when no, you guys are listening. Well, yeah, when, yeah, when you guys are listening, listening to this episode, yeah. yeah. Happy Hobbit Day. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe we might have a video on our social media, so check it out. I guess, yeah. Thank you for helping us create the content. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So this is great. <laughs> we all have different favorite films. My favorite is The Fellowship of the Ring. Really? Okay. I, I mean, love it's a cute movie. I think it's nice. I think it's the best because also, and I agree with everything you said, it is the origin story. It is like you get to know these people. And for me, what I like about it is that there's a nice balance of story, of character, and action. I think that there's too much action for my particular taste in the other films. And also, by the third film, it became clear to me that the hero was perceived by the filmmaker to be Aragon. I think he was and always. And I 
don't agree with that. I think you the think hero it was supposed is to be Frodo? Frodo. I think it's supposed. I for me it was always Frodo. For me it was set up so strongly to be Frodo in the first one that by the third one I was like, wait, why? What? <laughs> well, and I mean, a lot being put on. The onto book Aragon. is called Return of the King for a, re- a reason. Well, though, you know, right? so that's actually interesting. Um, apparently, a lot of uh, reviewers of the book or fans of the book, I should say are upset that Peter Jackson put so much of a monomyth on Aragon in the films because it's not in the books. Like Frodo is the hero of the books. It's not Mm. Aragon. And there's actually, you could check it out on Wikipedia. There's a whole Wikipedia page called Peter Jackson's interpretation of the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And it says right here, and they have admired Jackson's ability. These are the fans of the re the people who have read the Lord of the Rings. They have admired Jackson's ability to film the long and complex work at all, right? The beauty of the cinematography, the sets, the costumes, music. But they have, however, found the characters in the story greatly weakened by his emphasis on action and violence at the expense of psychological depth. And the replacement of Frodo's inner journey by an American monomyth with Aragorn as the hero. Yeah, all right. Fair, I guess. But this is always a problem that comes up when you're adapting from of course. book of to, course. to novel. But I mean, It was just really gotta, interesting, though. When I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh. I literally remember being in the theater being like, why is this focusing so heavily on Aragon? And why is it not focusing more on Frodo? Mm. Yeah, I, I guess because, you know, who's going to who was the sexier face, right? <laughs> well, it I think it's actually Aragorn. I think it's actually kind of homophobic of peter jackson (laughs) because he i don't care what anyone says i've never read the books and i don't know how token read it but he directed those actors to be in love with each other that was their backstory that was how he was like the way you look at each other with their eyes the way he directed those scenes it's got homosexual love all over it i don't disagree with you i mean i think sam ganji is the biggest queen in the entire <laughs> Lord of the Rings series, <laughs> bigger queen than even Kate Blanchett's character, you know? Yes, I know. I, <laughs> I absolutely think so. I, it's just incredibly romantic. Galandriel. It, it makes me wonder. Like, I actually kind of want to read the books because I'm like, is it is romantic? Like, did Peter Jackson create this or does this exist on the page in the books? Um, it's one of those interesting things where I think it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be obviously a very platonic love, but maybe. Maybe the actor uh, who played Samwise, uh, what is it? Uh, what's this guy? Oh, the uh, actor who played Samwise Gamgee. Oh, I see his face. What yeah, I, he was in uh, in Stranger Things. I never Goonies. watched the Goonies. I, Sean Astin. Sean Astin. I think he just played it like. Like, yeah, Aston. There we go. Uh, he played it very, very tenderly, very, very lovely. He just has, he has like this very, very adorable face and stuff. And like these big eyes that just always look like glistening with like tears when he's talking to Frodo. And yeah. I think as a result, it just very, very much translated like, uh, like Gamgee was very, very much in love with, with Frodo. Uh, and it was always, a, and it felt true. Like maybe, I, maybe part of the reason why I empathize, like I saw it is because you know, it felt very one-sided, right? Like, like it was Sam that was in love with Frodo. Frodo did not see Sam that way. That's interesting. And I think growing up, you know, in the closet and stuff, like, I found myself in those situations where I had a crush on my straight best friend and stuff. So, <laughs> uh, I, 
you know, I related to a little bit to Sam to the point where I kind of hated him. Call that internalized homophobia, guys, I guess, you know? Yeah, I mean, his sheer and utter devotion is insane. And it actually, when you research, you know, Tolkien's um, uh, inspiration for writing these characters, he actually wanted to convey the relationship between, like, a British officer and his, quote, Batman, pretty much his assistant, and the sheer loyalty that an assistant has to his pretty much his his commanding officer um and that was the relationship he wanted to convey which one makes me think you know so what was everyone down low in the <laughs> in the army back then but in also the too is he also coming from a i don't know uh, a place of maybe of ignorance as to whether or not like these were these men's jobs they had to be faithful to the officers because their jobs and their livelihood depended on it so it wasn't necessarily out of like just sheer and utter loyalty but more like they kind of had to whereas like samwise doesn't have to do what he does he very is like no uh, gandalf told me that this is what i have to do and i'm not mm. going anywhere without you frodo kind of a thing he kind of i mean right it wasn't his job to do it but like the balance of middle earth did hang around frodo's neck so like yeah. i don't know a slight sense of obligation I would, <laughs> I would feel i would also argue that uh i got some like love from elijah wood to samwise i don't think it was completely like he carried a torch for him and it was one-sided and unrequited it it, it felt more it def- it it definitely felt more one-sided i'm not saying exclusively right because yes sam uh frodo did also love Sam, right? That mm-hmm. literally the power of love is kind of what, as corny as it sounds, is what saves a day at the very end of this film. Yeah. Uh, and as, I, as, it sounds so corny, but like if you break it down, that's what saves a day. We haven't even talked a little bit about plot, but if in case you guys didn't know about the plot, yeah, I it's mean, about taking the ring <laughs> from uh, that uh, Frodo has that's fallen into possession to Mordor to destroy Sauron before he raises from the dead. That is the basic basic plot yeah of this story we hope that if you're listening uh, to this episode films. you kind of you kind of know the basic plot of it because we yeah. it would take too long if we talked about the, the overlying story here um we so we really just got to talk plot because we have too yeah, much yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah. um yeah i mean look first of all i think the power of love is a great message and i also love power of love of friendship I love those messages. I'm not one of those people. It's like, oh, it's two guys. They have to be in love with each other. I mean, men can have a beautiful platonic love story be at the center of something. It just doesn't feel that way to me. Um, So I guess, you know, as a bunch of gays here, you know, I just kind of wanted to think like, well, where do you guys come from? Because you are gay men. Like you never, ever felt this way. You, I mean, Rolando saying that he feels unrequited. I I saw it. (laughs) Like, Uh, what about you, Eddie? Um, like I, I mean, I know what it is to like have um, like, well, deep love as a like for a friend, like a friend as as your brother, you know, like you know, brother from another mother kind of situation, where it's like you know, I you know, I'll stand by you, you know, I'm your comrade in arms, you know, I'll have your back. I definitely have had friendships uh like that, without it not being uh, me having a crush on them. Uh, but I also have friendships too, where it was like, it was a deep friendship in that I had like developed feelings in them in the process. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's, I think with Sam and, and Frodo, it's, it's Samwise and Frodo. It's just kind of like this beautiful devotion 
you know, I um, Frodo has his mission and he has to focus that. And, and, and Sam is Sam is there to make sure that Frodo doesn't lose himself in this. Frodo's facing the abyss and Sam is making sure that if I'm not going to let you fall into it. Yeah. You know, so Sam has to have that kind of intense devotion to him because the ring it, it seduces. It, it it takes it does it, it doesn't the ring wants everything the one ring wants all of you and it's and that's slowly consuming all of you i mean and and um so i mean the the corrupted the heart the quicker the ring works that's why you know it took a while for frodo to get to the point where he got like really like sick from it um but but sam was there the devoted the devoted friend um a servant to friendship in its truest form. So I'm going to link uh, an article that I found in the show notes called um, Queer Readings of the Lord of the Rings Are Not Accidents. Uh, and pretty much kind of like show that there were tidbits that a queer writer found after reading the Lord of the Rings that says that he actually thinks that Tolkien did mean for them to be gay. So I just want to throw this into the conversation. I actually want you guys to also check it out too because I also think that a lot of people are uh, resistant to that read of them being queer. And it's like, why <laughs> is it bad that Frodo and Sam might be in love? Is that such mm-hmm. a bad reading? You know? Well, yeah, because I guess Sam I had a family. <laughs> I mean, well, come well, on. This no, is no, also no, 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 no. A, a, a Sam has a family afterwards. Oh, he didn't have a family. No. So oh, like that, that girl like... that he meets and have that was after the journey. Ah, mm-hmm. so we, we have like, to understand oh. that I we get the impression that Sam was kind of like Jeez. Sam was a typical hobbit in the sense of shy, you know, shy, like, oh, let's stay in place. You know, we don't want to go beyond the borders. You know, this is all good here. But his friendship with Frodo and then his like calling where like Gandalf says, I need you to be part of this let him to go you know that one point he says this is the furthest i've ever been yeah you know furthest ever been mm-hmm. in the shire so um but then when he gets back then he's like he he you know like when you have these these traumatic experiences he's like i need to sometimes it's like i need to grasp life by the horns you know i need to i need to take action if i want love in my life i need to go out there i need to put myself out there so that's what you have that moment where Sam is in the bar. He sees the, the barmaid and he begins talking to her. No. So now I'm going to go side with Nicole on this one because remember in Captain America Civil War when oh, here they we go. forced us <laughs> to watch a kiss between Chris Evans and the girl from Revenge because, and I know the studio had to like give this scene because up until this point, it very much seemed like both Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. Winter Soldier, and Captain America were madly in love with each other. Mm. They were literally breaking uh, the. Uh, this is Civil War, right? This is the the, yes, the homoerotic one. I'm yeah. Have, uh, Civil War is like Civil the most War. homoerotic uh, Marvel film. So okay, yeah. So there you go. So you're right. Peter Jackson is homophobic. He inserted this lady <laughs> Hobbit to make sure that we get rid of our gay so reading. So I. I'm 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 here in, in two camps. I'm a gay man who loves <laughs> to look for the opportunity of, wow, this can be the budding of a, of a gay relationship here. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, too, I, it doesn't, I don't have to have it that way in all my stories. I also enjoy um, where, where it is about friendship 
where it, it is about that that deep love of friendship and commitment where mm-hmm. we don't have to be of the same blood or even in you know in the hobby the same species yeah uh where i i will i will like you know like you know band of brothers i, I will i will i will fight with you absolutely you know, in this and 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 i also love it when it's opposite sex when it's like women and men and they have a great friendship and they can they can like joke with each other and it doesn't have to be about a build a slow build up of sexual tension mm, that's true where it's just us we're like friends and it's not like you're gay or i'm gay or anything like that we're straight people too but <laughs> it's like we are friends you know we're, we're friends absolutely i mean this this story has a lot of other friendships that i would look at and be like friendship oh, you know mm-hmm. like you i mean gandalf Megalus- and bilbo friends oh, okay, like fine. and these are like old good friends you know two completely different like races of of well i don't even know if gandalf's technically a person but like you know just two completely different worlds and yet there's this like really sweet friendship between them um what were you gonna say bilbo like legolas and ghibli uh bilbo. bilbo bilbo like in the beginning bilbo. when you okay. see that the beginning you know? yeah. and he like literally does all of this because he wants to help his friend um mm. So I think that there's other examples of friendship, but like in terms of examples of friendship, I've just never seen one as romantic as that is all. Uh, uh, mm. Legolas and Gimli for me felt a little, a little queer. <laughs> 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 I remember Salsa was reading uh, one of the lo- one of one of the books, one of the trilogies, and the front cover, it was an old, it was an old, um, old edition, old paperback edition, and the front cover was of those two Megalas and like looking at each other longingly no they're standing (laughs) they're standing side by side but they almost look like a couple though it it was uh (laughs) it was drawn it was drawn and they almost look like a couple and I remember laughing so much we were laughing so much because it was the queerest looking picture I've ever seen of Legolas with his beautiful like long flowy blonde hair and the way it was kind of curved at the end and uh, you ha- you had the dwarf all with his perfectly groomed beard, and it just seems so like like a twink and a bear. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were just laughing because we were like, "This is the gayest cover I've ever seen," and I love it. <laughs> the artist knew. Yeah, he he read. It. He's just like, mm-hmm, "I got it. <laughs> I see you, Tolkien." <laughs> <laughs> Shaking that ass. You know, I. I mean, I never cared for Legolas, and I remember when this movie came out that, like, every girl was, like, majorly in love with Legolas, and that's when, like, I knew Orlando that I was Bloom. just not into boys, because I'm like, you find that attractive? Cool. It's so funny. I don't find him attractive in this movie, but I find him attractive in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm not a fan well, of, like, long hair on men. He has more to do in those movies than he does here. I don't know. I would argue having the bow and arrow makes you pretty cool. He was a cool character in my opinion, hmm. right? Like he was a cool, like he was just like super, you know, it felt like watching Link from Legend of Zelda on the big screen. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. I guess. Well, so, you know, when I rewatched um, some of these movies and I was like looking, I, I had seen them for the first time in years and I was trying to like, okay, what are the themes of the Lord of the Rings and stuff and, and the representation of all these different races and the biggest thing that I took away was not just that power corrupts man, which is a theme that I obviously agree with, but mm. that um, I was reading, at least that it really felt like Tolkien was giving me this read that human beings are inherently flawed and stupid. And there were just so many decisions that were being made by the men in the movie that drove me insane. 
Now, do you mean men like men? Like Aragorn, like, like Boromir. Like, well, well, I meant men like, not man, like by the, the idea of no, human. Like, you're by, talking the, about, like, men, by the race the of men, not by the elves. Oh, you're, so you're talking about not humans. By the you're not talking about males. There you go, yeah. I know okay. that they're referred to as men in this Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. the world. age of man is like, yeah. Um, like in the second film, when, you know, Brad Dourif has uh, the head of Rohan under a spell, you know, that's because he's got Sauron in there. And then pretty much getting off the white comes in, you know, exercises uh, Saruman from him. And then they're about to kill Brad Dorif and Aragorn's like, no, let him go. And that's like sets off a whole nother chain of events. What are you doing? <laughs> like, why? And also, like, you're the king and these are the decisions you make. I know mercy and all that stuff, but it's like, <laughs> well, you Aragorn just wasn't king everything. yet. I know. But like he's this is the decisions that he would make. And this is why he should be a king and he's the greatest man or whatever. Yeah, whatever because the movie he won't trying to kill get in cold blood. That's fucking stupid. That guy deserved to die. He had mm. ruined Rohan. And, and then he went into wreak havoc. Like, that man... I know, uh, also, one of the things that Gandalf said, like, who are you to decide who gets to deserve to die and stuff? But it's like, hey, let's bring some Star Trek knowledge into here. The, you know, the uh, the lives of the many outlive the needs of the few. So... It's... Okay. Something like that, you know? So, like, kill this guy, this few people, so that many people can benefit from it. <laughs> Um, you're just mixing genres there. I am mixing franchises. I know, right? <laughs> and also, why did they let these poor hobbits like all, when all these hobbits were like, "Oh, right, where are we going? We're going on this mission with them," you know? Like it's like they're hobbits. It's like pretty much the equivalent of children, maybe. But it's like, of course, immediately too, they get kidnapped by the orcs, and then they're all like, the fellowship is fucked. It's like, of course, that was going to happen. Why did you let all these hobbits come? Because they're so cute. What do you and mean? You don't want to say no, no. To them. no that's you, not Frodo about and that. Sam, I get it, but Mary and Pippin. Why did Mary and Pippin well, have Mary to be Pippin, there? They kind of tagged along. They kind of tagged. They, yeah, yeah, they, 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 they tagged along. They, they, but why? They yeah, tagged it was along. And irresponsible then, for them to let these two tag along. Maybe but, give Frodo a companion in Samwise. I get that. And Frodo, it but, was his story. That, but they chose to be like when the Fellowship is forming. They're the ones who chose, chose to be there to it, and and by they they. It like they activated duty, yeah. you know. It's like they they became part of it. They became part of the contract that this fellowship yeah. was yeah, offering. Should Gandalf yeah. had opened up a portal and sent it back to the Shire? It sure, no, but I don't know if that's way. how <laughs> magic <laughs> works in Middle Earth. You know. Yeah. So the one thing that was abundantly clear when I was watching, um, rewatching these films, is that it's just not my franchise. I think it's just too much for me, and it might be his interpretation. I think that it is so deeply written. There's so so much impressiveness to the story and I have so much respect for it but in terms of like me wanting to sit down and watch it and have a good time it's just it's not for me um so you know uh disclaimer that that's the lens I'm going at like yeah this is just not my <laughs> cup of tea <laughs> this is just like I you know I mean I get it but I also kind of don't get it and I think that's fine all right that's um, that is fine I mean that's how I felt about the hobbit right I was kind of exhaust i was not exhausted that might be the wrong word but i was just like mad about like damn the studios are really going out of their way to uh to really milk this and i'm just not gonna watch it in protest and when i heard about the lord of the rings series coming for amazon i felt ugh, another money grab yeah thank god i'll never have to watch this and then nicole's like we're gonna cover this on the podcast i'm just like great now i have to watch this <laughs> and uh here we are here we are uh 
So Rings of Power have only a couple episodes currently as of September 2022. Four episodes. It four would episodes. Be the, yes. Yeah, four so episodes, halfway point of the season. This is where we're coming from when we're covering this podcast in the future. There might be more. But as of right now, there are four. Uh, how many did you watch? Four. You watched all of them. Yes. Oh, I found nice. myself uh, very, very much enjoying the show, which I did not. I genuinely did not expect to like the show as much as I did. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Uh, Eddie, how many did you get through? So I just came down from halfway of the fourth episode. So I am waiting for this to be over to finish the fourth episode because it is so It's getting good, good right? So, <laughs> it is so delicious right now. Yeah. We're, I think I by the fourth episode, it. we're starting to introduce a little more intrigue. Yeah. Yeah. I and think the first couple episodes were world building. Uh, and now we're entering like the intrigue yeah. and stuff. And also feeling like... Um, I'm almost getting a, a wonder if these are like the characters that we're we're being shown, the characters that are going to gather together to form a new uh the first fellowship. Mm. You know. And uh, how many did you watch, Nicole? I watched one. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie has literally slapped the microphone away from you. <laughs> um again, you know, hey, I'm not here to say it's bad. I'm not here to say don't watch it. I'm here to say it's not for me. Okay. All right, cool. So let's talk about that first episode. What, why, what made you stop at just one? Um, I did not care to continue. Uh, I, I I thought about it. I was like, okay, you know, I should for the research for the podcast and I tried to, but I fell asleep and I fell asleep twice. And then I was like, you know what? I got to be honest about this because it's just not grabbing me. And okay. I am very easily just drifting away here. Um, but I think even, that from what I saw. Even with all that surround saw, sound. Yeah, even with all that surround sound. I mean, wow. hey, just, you know, just all right. it's not enough for me. Uh, I thought there were some interesting elements, but overall, it just, I don't know. And I think that from the beginning, I was just like not really feeling it because of uh, how it begins and the character that we open up with, which is Galadriel. What you got beef? Is it because she's not Kate Blanchett? My God! I mean, well, maybe it's subconsciously that because I'm such a stan of Kate Blanchett, but I, I didn't, and I know this is a thousand years ago, so like I get it. People change and people grow, or elves do, but it just was like I don't buy this. This that. feels like I don't. I don't even feel like this is in the same realm. As the characters that, you know, at least not not just the performances. I'm not talking about the performances from the original trilogy. I'm talking about the characters that I was Uh introduced to from the original trilogy. I just felt zero connection in terms of like, yeah, that's Galadriel. Or like, yeah, this is believable as her backstory. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that connection between the original trilogy and the series. Um, There's none, right? Like, technically speaking... In retrospect, as I'm doing my research on this, I'm just like, does this even qualify yeah. as, a, as a revival or a, a reboot? Because this is not at all really connected with the Peter Jackson's version of uh, the Lord of the Rings series, right? Yeah. Peter Jackson actually was tapped early in the production of this show to have involvement, but it kind of fell apart and stuff. And so... Amazon, after winning the rights to distribute the show, uh, they decided it's just like, all right, fine, we're just going to go about this our own route. And uh, smart, I think one of the smartest decisions the show 
and the creatives made was we're going to focus on the second age of Middle Earth where Tolkien himself did not really do a lot of writing, right? We know the basic plot points, but everything else is kind of like a blank slate. And that just gives the writers a lot of leverage of how they can create this world. So it's great because even if you only know the Lord of the Rings, and that's a good place to start, if you don't, you could technically still jump into this show and kind of just because it is a brand new story. Yeah. And I think what I most liked about it is just like I can Google. I can't really necessarily Google spoilers. Right. It's not like Game of Thrones that are based off of a book series. Uh, or I can Google. All right. What's going to happen to this character? Right. What do we know will happen in the books here? We know the big plot points, which is that Sauron will create the rings of power and he will come to rise and there will be another war. Uh, and that's what this show is supposed to be leading up to. Leading up to right. Outside of that, everything is like blank slate. We know that Sauron is a kind of like this shifty character. He could shapeshift. And that is, I think, what ended up... The more I'm... As I'm watching the show, there's this great feeling that I have of just like, who's Sauron? Because Sauron, the big bad, can be anybody. He can shapeshift. We mm. don't know. We don't know if we've seen him yet. We may have not seen him. You know what I mean? But yeah. we know he's already in play in the series and stuff. And that kind of excites me for this show a little bit. I'm just like, every time we see a new character, a new male character, and granted, he, I don't think he has to be male, but every time we see a new character, it's just like, that's Sauron right there. I called it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is kind of, that's the kind of lens that I'm kind of going in. So I, I genuinely define myself like very, very much. It's just like, oh, I'm, I'm really getting captivated by this world and stuff. And actually, I thought Galandriel was just, I did not think I was going to like her being front and center. But I'm I'm digging this badass elf. It, it felt very Buffy like, you know. Yeah, it almost felt too Buffy like for me because I'm like, well, I, that's not mm, the Galadriel that she... I was led to believe what, was well, who she is. Like that's just so out of character for her. Is it? I don't know. Like because she's like really like it's, a it's like ass. taking Rosemary from Rosemary's Baby uh-huh. and giving her a prequel that she's Ellen Ripley. Those are two completely different people. Yeah, and but they like don't, a, people like, change in a thousand years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and, and, and she'll I, live I, yes, for thousands said, of years. I knew you guys were going to say that, which is why I even prefaced it with saying, I get it, elves change within a thousand years. But like who you are also, it's fundamental to who a person is, right? Like there are things about Rolando that will never change about him. There are things about any that will never change think, about him yeah. and, and who he is as a person. So like doing a complete 180, it just, it didn't feel to me, at least in like, her character that that was good luck. It just didn't feel true. And but I just we saw Galandriel like that. flip out. We saw Galandriel's dark side. We saw her like inner potential to be. Yeah. Like we saw this in the original, in the first film and stuff. So we're just kind of, so I think, and it makes sense here, right? Because here, this character Galandriel really believes it's just like this evil is still out there. I'm not going to stop until it's down. Mm-hmm. And by the time the new, the Lord of the Rings takes place, she's at peace because as far as they know by the end of this series they they defeated him she can be a little at a little bit of peace yeah and stuff until it comes to fruition that he's not down you know what i mean again for me it just didn't feel true to who i who i know galadriel to be personally but i've also not read the books and I do think that there is something in the, the, the last Tolkien novel, which is the 
Similarium? Similarium. Like it's one of those no, token. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That it does actually speak of Galadriel's earlier days being a warrior. So it's like it's not far fetched or anything, mm. but it was, I guess, the personification. It just, I don't know. For me, it just didn't hit. That's it. All right. Sorry. She slaps for me. <laughs> I, you know who else also slaps for me? The little Harfoot, which are descent, the, the, the precursors that will become hobbits. hobbits. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's Nori. I actually, I'm so enamored by her. I think she's so adorable. I love her accent, the outfits. I actually, I thought it was going to be so corny. And I'm just like, oh, God, I'm here really just enjoying this character. And she gets uh, wrapped up in this mysterious man who may be Sauron, maybe Gandalf. We don't know yet. Mm. We don't know. We don't know who he is. They, they, But they, I mean, to him, he's a giant. Right. And then it's like, what I l- love is... um they kind of adopt him basically uh, yeah, to into, be part of their family, you know, which is like, so anti the Harfoot way. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, I think, so those are two of the main characters. I think the, your third main character would be who well, this guy, the, the guy, the younger the Puerto Rican guy. I would, yeah. Uh, his, his name begins with an A, correct? Yeah. Alondriol. There so, you go. No. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the same. <laughs> That sounds actually uh, a a Rondier. Oh, a Ron- uh, yes, I think that's what it is. A Rondier, uh, played by a Puerto Rican actor. Uh, what's up? Some representation finally in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Wait, hang on. No, let me talk about. Okay, yeah, fine. Let's talk about the representation <laughs> in Lord of the Rings. I mean, you en- you enjoy that character of a Rondier. Yes. Oh, I actually, when Eddie found out that he was Puerto Rican, I felt like seen. I felt heard. I felt. I was just like hey, finally. Ish- mm. Yeah, Ish uh, Ishmael Cruz. Cordoba. Yeah. No, Thank yeah, he was you. cute. Um, first three films. He's hot. What do you mean he's hot? He's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about lesbian here. Uh, I know, I know. All white people. I guess the only yes. people who are black are the orcs, right? I mean, like, I mean, you can't say that. That's so wrong. That's but so like, No, up. but that's like, li- like literally. They're literally black skin. zero representation there is in these films. And 20 years ago, nobody blinked twice about it. Right. So now, obviously, 20 years later, um, times have changed. And there have been many people of different colors represented within the Lord of the Rings series. So I have a question. Yes. Obviously, I am all about representation. But it's interesting because it really feels like we're ignoring the fact that Tolkien did not write books with these type of characters. Right. And that he was, you know, closed off you know, white Catholic boy who just, he didn't, that wasn't his agenda. And some have accused him. I can't say, but some have accused him of being racist. I aren't the orcs basically racist depictions of minorities. I think so. I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah. You could, you could definitely argue that. Are we, what matters more here? You know, like, are we given his property or the legacy of his property too much credit by like, just, throwing representation into there but we're ignoring all this history and backstory to it so i don't think i don't i don't think we have to give credit to the token estate here for this decision right like this goes a creative decision for amazon i don't know if it's i like i don't know if they deserve to be praised because i think one of the things that we can argue about fantasy is just like not everyone is gonna look white like we have it's a fucking continent right that spans a globe we have to imagine different skin tones will exist 
different cultures exist within this land. Yeah. So, yeah, like, why wouldn't there be some people with more melanin than others? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I, so it's just like, I don't know. It's not that, like, I'm aware this character is not Puerto Rican. He's only being played by a Puerto Rican. And, like, it's not like, yeah, Puerto Ricans on screen. Well, it's not like, yeah, Puerto Ricans getting their day in Middle Earth. This is a character who happens to be darker than his elven counterparts but we don't know what the circumstances are right like he could just be from the area that just gets more sun and as a result he gets melanin i don't know how the rules work you know what i mean like they're fucking elves you know what i mean they're not real yeah, just like the fucking this... people complaining about the little mermaid exactly but and they're also uh, a fantasy races like we don't know what really a dwarf looks like uh, from magical world or elves yeah um, and mermaids and uh but but it is e- exciting to see people of color uh definitely in my fantasy that i love so much um uh and exciting to know that we are are saying yeah yeah um it does exist we do exist yeah you know, and we should be part of the stories because you also got to keep in mind, like, we're coming now from a time where a lot of people are playing Dungeons & Dragons. And they are playing characters usually that we see ourselves in, right? So if I create a character, very rarely am I imagining myself as a white guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm seeing yeah. myself in my skin tone. Yeah. Whatever that might be in that world, it doesn't matter, right? So it's just mm-hmm. like fantasy has it, – it doesn't have to be all white, and that's okay. Like, I got so excited when we saw the black dwarf. Yeah. You know, the the princess. And I'm just like, this is great. This is awesome. And she's Deza, so heartwarming. Deza, she's so lovely. Yeah, so beautiful. You know, and it's it's great. Yeah. The only thing missing was the beard. <laughs> you know, nicely said, guys, but you didn't really answer my question. Which is? When it comes from when we're doing a representation or we're doing an adaptation and the original source is kind of problematic in this way. You know, are we doing a disservice in regards to ignoring the problematic nature and just like making it, you know, representation free, like should should we address the problematic nature, or are we are we kind of, in a way, making up for the problematic nature by saying, well, fuck you, token, like we're gonna now add all these different people of color that you didn't put in your books and we're putting them in there, you know? Because I don't know when we talked about like for example Harry Potter and I asked you guys like oh we know she's a transphobic problematic woman. Do we still like Harry Potter? And you guys argued, well, the magic is ours now, so fuck off. Exactly, you know? right? The same thing, yeah. I guess, here with but, this. But, but, everyone, right, but so. everyone is aware of J.K. Rowling's problematic nature. And yeah. to a lot of people, Harry Potter has been canceled, right? So I guess I'm, it's, it's an interesting thing that you have to have with history, right? Because we're rewriting, in a way, our own history in terms of representation. And like this was something that was also discussed in one of our earliest episodes with Murder on the Orient Express, right? Because mm-hmm. as a person who's read many Agatha Christie books, she's very racist. Okay, <laughs> she is. Yeah. So like throwing uh, a black actor in there that like pretty much is equal parts with the white people is is really unfaithful to the Agatha Christie books. But that's not even the thing. It's like accurately speaking, in the 30s, people would have been fucking racist to him, right? And that's just one example. Now right, this is fantasy, that, so exactly. we can do that's our own a thing. Major difference, but yeah. the the estate. A lot of people feel like the estate or Token himself was racist, and we're kind of ignoring that. Are we doing a disservice by ignoring that, or it does well, it not matter? Because now, as you say, with your comparison, the magic is ours now, and we can do whatever we want with it. I guess that's my question. 
I guess it doesn't. It's kind of a moot point because who's reading books anymore, right? That is oh. so ignorant of so you. So I, yeah, I, I mean, hang we on, can't that, actually it, say that. That's, but... It might be cruel, but like <laughs> you're talking to two members of a book club. Seriously, here. I know, and you guys are in the minority. I think across the country. That is so oh, not I true. I wouldn't say yeah, that. I would not say that. No, I bet cake. you if I said that, yeah. Mackenzie Green would agree with me, and she would no. be angry about that being true. But she would agree with me. I don't no, think I don't that think. it's a minority against the country, but I don't think that like reading is everyone's favorite activity universally and i agree with you there but i wouldn't say it's a lot of people fucking read still <laughs> but you know that this it this this has also had come up with um when love uh, lovecraft country mm, yeah. came out that's a great you know? example and you know the cast is very much black it's a bl- that's you it's a black argue it's a black yeah. story that and, they're telling uh, so this came up and a lot of people spoke about this and a lot of people spoke about cuz you know H.P. Lovecraft, super racist guy. Very, very super racist. Super racist guy. He named his cat the N-word. But then, you know, and, you know, but then it's like. That's true. But That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. Wow. It, it is true. Um, Little N-word, I think, is what the, yeah. the full name is. Yeah. So, um, but what they did talk about it is because his property is available mm. to be used, um, wow. people are like, we're taking it. And it was. And we're transforming it. Yeah, and I think it was also like a big and fucking. It to, is. To it is a big Lovecraft. middle finger yeah. to it, but it's 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 a great story. These are all great stories, and it shouldn't be lost or it shouldn't be thrown away simply because of the ignorance of the men that wrote it or the individuals that wrote it, or uh, it, or. or to the what's it called or to the individuals who are complaining about it because they're tired of like what they call quote unquote woke media now right like that's the thing like yes nicole i don't disagree with you like i don't think we should necessarily forget that like maybe the source could be problematic if that's what we want to talk about we can have that conversation that's fine but if we want to talk about these white men mostly white men sorry you know but mostly (laughs) white men who are complaining about uh, seeing diversity in fantasy, well, that's just ignorance and yeah. stuff, and it's yeah. just like, well, fuck yeah. you. Like, yeah. so, do you guys know if there if people are reacting yes. to this show negatively? They're because reacting of- negatively yes. to like yes. the uh, a black uh, have, having a, a black, black dwarf. dwarf. Uh, they reacting negatively. Why? Why are the women here so powerful? powerful so strong? And so strong? And so ship roles. And why? Why? Why are the, all the men? Cowardly. Usually, all the white men in these stories seem to be so cowardly or ignorant. Yeah, and know? it's like, and it's just like, I don't know, maybe because, maybe because it's time for a reckoning. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, so that's been one of the biggest criticisms of the show from like, you know, that angry fan base who is tired of seeing same fan base that is angry about seeing a black mermaid in the Little Mermaid trailer. You know what I mean? And again, it's just like, all right, well, it how, it's not, like, they're not telling... They're not telling like these. They're not telling like uh, a historical black story here. You know what I mean? There is no woke politics in here, right? They're just showing you like people can look all sorts of different ways. Yeah, that's it. More realistically you know I mean? than in the uh, trilogy too, um, in the original trilogy with Peter Jackson's right. trilogy. Yeah. So tell me what you like about the show since I've only seen one episode. So there were I don't know. Nori, the 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 Hartford character, I am enjoying. I do. There's like this 
for me, it's this mystery of like, who is Sauron? Where is he going to show up? When we may have like, this is a series that's gonna that's been picked up for five seasons, right? That was a deal they cut with the Tolkien estate. I think it's gonna be like fifty hours of like content that they're creating. Yeah. I would argue this might be considered content instead of uh, media, but mm. I don't know. I think that there is a little bit of more depth in this than like, let's say something like selling the OC on Netflix. Uh, so yeah, they may, who knows? Like maybe we won't know until like season three, if Sauron walks amongst us and how much damage he's already caused. Uh, I actually think the production value of it's this show very good. is really good. Yeah, very for a TV good. show, very like good. it's very grander. Very, it feels like this world. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You know? Which I didn't expect because Amazon has had a couple of other fantasy, one other fantasy show, The Wheel of Time, and that one kind of felt not as impressive as this one. Yeah, mm. this one feels much more uh, impressive, and I think, but that's also part of the deal that Amazon Studios cut with the Tolkien estate for the rights to this, right? Yeah. They promised a show that can compete with the likes of Game of Thrones at the time is when they agreed to this. And now yeah. it's literally competing with the Game of Thrones prequel. Yeah, I forgot what streaming service was on what because they were literally at the same exact time and I could mm-hmm. use them easily together. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I have only seen bits and pieces of the Game of Thrones, uh, so I can't really speak to the comparison, but... I'm really, yeah, I'm just digging. I like Galandriel's story. I love this. Again, one of the things I like about the show is just, like, I can Google certain things, but I can't Google answers, mm. right? Because a lot of people now, are just as much... is this something you in... often do when you're watching? Sometimes. Oh, yeah, for yeah. fantasy, yeah, 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 yeah like, for does, fantasy, yeah. sometimes you want to get, like, it's just... So you can, like, wrap your head around things. Yeah, there's a okay. lot of things thrown, you know too. What I mean? It's just, like... Um, so, so yeah, like, and you and I don't have that luxury, which I like. I'm just like, oh, this is like almost blank slate. Like, mm. so like I said, there's a man who fell from the sky. Who is he? We don't know. Is he Gan? I think he's going to be Gandalf, but he could very well be Sauron. I don't know. Mm. Uh, Galandriel is trying to help this guy to become king. So there is a little bit of political intrigue also going on. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, I just found myself just enamored with this uh with this storytelling and stuff and i'm just like okay it feels expansive it looks great uh certain parts of it i think i can i do see some connections to the modern times like one of the things that comes to mind there was a scene where galandriel is talking about talking with elrond right he's the one who gets played by agent smith in the movies yes uh she's talking about like this great evil is still out there he's like the evil is dead and she's like then how come i still feel it in my heart and that's i felt like it's just like yeah that's how i feel about trump right like yeah he's not in office but then why do i still feel him like lurking you know <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's been holding on to that one i, I workshopped he's been it holding on to that one. <laughs> that's great uh, I will say Gandalf was my favorite character in the original. Um, I thought Ian McKellen played him just wonderfully. Um, yeah, and remember how everyone thought when the actor who played uh, the wizard teacher in Harry Dumbledore? Potter died? Richard Harris? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, when he died, everyone was just like, oh, make Gan- uh, Ian McKellen, you know, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know, incredibly similar characters, and they both came out the same year. Um, I, I just, I think he completely... Uh, he sold it and it's hard for me actually to look at Ian McKellen and not like in some way be like that's Gandalf and I also oh, think re- that's so funny I see Magneto first 
Oh, yeah. See, well, I, I saw yeah. Lord of the Rings before I saw X-Men. But I also think he just is so great as Gandalf. And um, his death in the first one, or at mm. least, you know, his first death, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is just so emotional and wonderful. And the music. The, that is one thing that is similar between the two. Howard Shore came back, and he at least wrote the theme song for The Rings of Power. Mm. Um, I don't know if he's written the music for every episode, but, you know, like the mood that he created... Uh, music wise in the original trilogy outstanding fucking job that he did and yeah. so they really had to capture that with this one because like there is a sound there is a feel to it you know it's kind of like you can't watch a tim burton movie without danny elfman music like right. it, it's a soundtrack to this so yeah like yeah. props to fucking howard Schorfer, i think really just defining the world with his music um is Schmeagel going to be in this at all, you think? is was he, How old was he? 500 no. or something? Not a thousand? So the rings, as far as we know, I don't think the rings have even been created yet. No, the rings haven't been created. Okay, then yeah, so he's not going to be I say as far okay. as we know because, like, yeah. we don't know that they haven't been created, but we suspect that they haven't been created yet. Yeah, okay. Because basically the major plot point here is that it's called the Rings of Power, right? So as we know, there's going to be one ring to rule them all. Yeah. The Rings of Power come into play because Sauron uh, kind of weaved his way through society giving these magical rings to high elves uh dwarven kingdoms and humans right like every uh, major political players because his one ring that he infused with his own power that's why he's like kind of stuck to the ring right because he put all his power in there to rule these other rings and like have influence over them so that way he could take over middle earth again mm. Okay. I say again because he was a lieutenant for Malgoth, which is like the beginning war that you saw in the first beginning. Yeah. And that all I had to do research on because I was just like, because I also appreciate the show doesn't do a lot of handholding. Like they'll give you some expositional plot points here, but like they're just like, they're going. And I was just like, I have to, after the episode's over, I'm just like, okay, they mentioned this. What is happening? And, that's, and I like that. I don't mind that for yeah. fantasy. For, right? Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of going in and you're either with them or you're not. Yeah. So, do you who do you think the show's made for? Um, oh, that's a good question. I don't n- people who enjoy playing Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh I think Amazon Studios has really struck doing like these fantasy these uh fantasy or like sci-fi shows and they're doing them pretty well. I'm thinking of like this show, The Boys, uh, Invincible, eh, Rings of Time, uh, the Wheel of Time, a little less so, but it was still like a cool show to watch. So I, I think Amazon Studios, The Expanse also comes to mind, right? Mm-hmm. That's just another big sci-fi show. Uh, I think it's just kind of this niche marketing for like people who used to watch the sci-fi channel, right? Like I feel like this is what the streaming service is more or less becoming. Really? Uh, in my opinion. Hmm. So I think it's for people who enjoy like sci-fi, science fiction, and fantasy. Okay. Uh, I don't know, Eddie. I mean, who would you think this is made for? Eddie? What do you guys think? Ed or me. I mean, I definitely oh. think you have to have some knowledge of or have seen The Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. want to do more. I don't think anyone could be like, oh, let's watch a show. What's this? The Ring of Powers? I just don't know if... I mean, it depends on that person's uh, mileage and all that. But still, like it's it, it definitely seems like for a fan base here. And in terms of that fan base, which I know I can't really claim myself to be a member of, and I think you guys may claim yourself to be a member of it. Do you really think that you needed this show? I mean, 
I didn't think I was going to need it, but as I'm watching it, I'm just like, oh, good. I'm actually enjoying this. You know, this is coming from someone who didn't watch the Hobbit movie and kind of thought this franchise was kind of dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. So I found myself like really enjoying revisiting Middle Earth. And just to be quite honest, like I know I didn't rewatch these movies for the podcast, but like maybe when the season's over, right? Because I'm going to continue the re- watching the rest of the season. I might maybe be tempted to like watch the Lord of the Rings movies again, you know, really? because yeah, like I think it's just like, it's really, the show is doing a really good job of like kind of showing you like, how did we get to the Lord of the Rings without necessarily, and we don't know how far we're going to get into, uh, into that time period. Right. We don't, yeah. we, we don't know because it's a thousand year span basically of the second age. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to try. Nice. <laughs> okay. That's cool. Uh, I wish I wish I had more to contribute, you know, but I really... Uh, <laughs> I, I learned something about myself. I definitely like things more set in a modern contemporary era, and I'll give you an example. I'd rather watch a 1940s film set in 1940 than I would rather watch a 2020 film set in the 1600s. Right, because the '40s is depicting the modern era, whereas mm. even though it's an older film and it's an almost 80-year-old film, uh, it is in that era that I respond more to, and I just I have that, and I think we all have things that we respond more to, and we have things that we don't respond to. I know Rolando doesn't like westerns and musicals, right, and stuff, you know. So like I think for me, um, things that are like very like almost like costume pieces or you know medieval or just fantasy or whatever it's just not my thing you know mm. and um yeah kind of just right. realized that so each their own right yeah that's what this podcast is about they're remaking rebooting everything so you'll find your you'll find that piece that you love yes <laughs> if you don't then <laughs> um damn <laughs> yeah, stick to the original stuff i guess right that too yeah uh but what did you guys think if you listen this long you're probably a diehard fan of the trilogy or of the books or of the show, and you probably disagree or totally agree with one of us, so you should let us know your thoughts. Email us, remakesrebootsrevivals at gmail.com. If you want to hit us up on social media, at remakesrebootsrevivals on Instagram, at remakespodcast on Twitter, and if you search for us on Facebook or YouTube, Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals, we will pop up. Uh, if you find us on whatever listening platform you are listening to, can you just give us a nice little rating? And if you can, leave a little review because those things would really, really help us. And we might just read those on the air. And something else we might do on the air is play the voicemail that you can leave us at this number. 862-248-2326. That's 862-248-2326. Yeah. So, um... That's it for this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks, guys, for this uh, conversation. I actually very much enjoyed it and more than I mm-hmm. <coughs> did the show. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you guys next week. Until then, stay, stay original. original.